No Lie is brought to you by iTrust Capital. By now, you've probably heard all about cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin. You might even already be investing in them. But did you know you can invest in cryptocurrencies through your retirement account? With iTrust Capital, you can buy and sell cryptocurrencies from a crypto IRA and get all the same tax advantages as a traditional IRA. iTrust Capital allows you to invest in over two dozen of the most popular cryptocurrencies. And unlike the stock market, you can buy and sell 24 hours a day. The iTrust Capital platform is easy to use and it only takes a few minutes to create your account. Setting up an IRA is free and iTrust fees are low. It's time to start taking control of your financial future. With iTrust Capital, you can get all the tax benefits of a retirement account while investing in crypto. Visit iTrustCapital.com to start investing today. That's iTrustCapital.com. Taxes and conditions may apply. Fees apply. Cryptocurrencies are a speculative investment with risk of loss. iTrust Capital Inc. does not provide legal investment or tax advice. Consult with a qualified legal investment or tax professional. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the WIM podcast. Women in Influencer Marketing, or WIM for short, is a first-of-its-kind exclusive networking group made up of inspirational women. This podcast is where we explore influencer marketing, advertising trends, and get real about women in business. Our mission is to network, to foster leaders within this exciting industry, and to share information to make our work stronger. That's where this podcast comes in. We'll bring you fresh perspectives on timely topics facing the industry from expert voices in the space. Find us wherever you download podcasts. And of course, you can always find us at IamWim.com. That's IamWim.com. So I was having a conversation with somebody today and it made me want to mention it during the recording of the show today. So someone was trying to give me a compliment. I know that's where it was coming from. And they were like, oh, you're so happy. You know, it seems like you really, really landed where you wanted to. And it was great that you went through that experience because it obviously got you to where you are today. Some of you may relate to this and some of you may not. But here was my reply. Just because I'm resilient and a hustler and won't take no for an answer doesn't mean that I had to go through that shit to get to where I am today. You know, look, here's one thing that I do believe. I do believe everything happens for a reason because I've experienced when I've gone through something and then a new thing happens, I look back and I say, that thing happened so that I could be here. That being said, I just am very cognizant about telling people you went through this terrible thing so that you can end up here. And I know some of you are probably being like, that's what's the difference? That sounds the same to me. But I definitely feel that there is a distinction. So if the point of me even sharing this today is I just I have a lot of you on my mind. I know that it's a really difficult time of year. I feel like most people talk about how the holidays are happy and joyous and I'm just very aware of toxic positivity. I think that it's bullshit. And I think that especially as a woman in society today, a lot of that falls on us, on women, in that, you know, we have to paint this perfect picture that, you know, are professionally, we're perfect as a human, as a woman, as a mother, as a friend, as a family member. We are perfect. Everything is great. And that is just so rarely the case. Sure, maybe things are good. We have moments where things are great and celebrate those, lean into those. That is fantastic. But I get really jazzed about people who talk about the moments that are really challenging, 
they're open about that sort of a thing because I look back on my life and I remember the people who shared the challenges with me and how they overcame them, the honesty of it all, just being open about that it even happened to them in the first place. I look up to those people. I wish that I could be as brave as those people. I see you guys this holiday season. And if you are in that place right now, and in addition, you work in influencer marketing and things are crazy, things are busy, I just want to be a friendly voice to remind you to just like take a second and just like acknowledge what you're going through and, you know, find what makes you happy. It's so important. And that is even a journey unto itself. It's a whole podcast episode. (laughs) to itself how to find what makes you happy nonetheless and maybe we will record an episode about that in the future um i just want to wish you all you know peace calm love and just being gentle with yourselves it's a very very difficult time of year and i don't think enough people talk about how difficult the holidays can be so today on the show we have sedge Beswick, who is one of the first in the UK to work within social media. Um, She really forged her path with global trends before launching her company called Scene Connects. So if you haven't heard of them, you definitely should. Um, It's an award-winning, super innovative influencer marketing agency. They started out in the UK. Now they're coming over to the States. And just some of the brands that have been onboarded by them. Nike, Bumble, Panasonic, eBay. From pop stars to parent influencers, she's worked with tons of household names. So she's been on global networks like BBC News, as well as print publications like the Financial Times. She's hosted workshops for Google, which is dope. She's really passionate about education, which I love. And she's even set up a mentor program to support young people going into the marketing industry. And she's responsible for having placed over 50 young people in jobs in the UK. I can't say enough good things about her. She's a real wealth of information and a woman to be watched. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. I am so excited to have you on the show today. So first and foremost, welcome. How are you today? Yeah, I'm really good. I'm excited. I feel like we've been talking about this forever. (laughs) I agree. And like the day has come, we get to chit chat, all things influencer marketing. I want to learn a little bit about you and like your professional journey. So I'm just really grateful that you can come on today. And thank you. No, thank you. Yeah. So let's jump into it a little bit. I think a great place for us to just start the conversation is about Scene Connect. So you launched the company back in 2016. Mm-hmm. You've got huge brand clients and now you're bringing your expertise across the pond over to the state. So just tell us a little bit about that professional journey, the highs and the lows, let's be honest, as business <laughs> owners, about building that company to all the successes that you have today. Yeah. So uh, I guess a bit of a backstory. I was always in-house. So I worked at ASOS, I worked at Red Bull, and I was kind of doing influencer marketing before influencer marketing was called influencer marketing. So, you know, at Red Bull, we called it key opinion leaders. My job was to like break into... I don't know, like festival places or into concerts and make sure that as a band were going on stage, I'd be this like random person there giving them a can of Red Bull. And then all of the paparazzi shots were them going onto stage with a can of Red Bull in their hands, which was 
so much fun. Um, and then I kind of just progressed. I've done bits in tech. I've done bits within fashion. Uh, when I was at ASOS, I covered eight different markets. So kind of that's when I first started working uh, with the US. And yeah, then I uh, met my investor. We had like a really open conversation about what was kind of missing within his like portfolio of agencies. And I kept like talking to him about celebrity influencer marketing. And he's got an, an events agency, a branding agency, a traditional PR agency. I knew full well that he was like, it sounds great, <laughs> but like, just go for it, see what happens. And I do think one of the biggest benefits of me kind of being brand side for, you know, 11 years career wise before I set up the agency was that I'd worked with so many amazing, talented people that then went on to other brands. And from a new business perspective and from a kind of sales funnel for the agency, it was great. And people knew me, they knew how I worked, they knew kind of how passionate I was about the influencer space. And yeah, then we got to sign brands like Nike, eBay, Panasonic. And then, yeah, we've kind of been doing a big focus on the US over kind of in particular the last six months, but definitely like the last 12 months of just really ramping up our efforts. In, so we've got an office in New York. We're covering a few different markets. Obviously, Leah, who you know, is based in San Fran. Um, so yeah, it's really fun. I mean, it sounds it. And I appreciate the exciting times that, you know, you're growing your company and you're like, where is it going to go? You're making very intentional decisions about where you want your company to go. So Talk to us a little bit about, you know, the highest of highs and maybe some of those learning lessons along the way. Yeah, great question. So, I mean, the always on high for me is the team. I'm really particular about who joins um, the company because it sounds super cheesy, but we are like a family and we do work really hard. We have a lot of fun doing what we do, but we all really believe in what we do. And I think that is super, super important within this space. And it's not kind of jumping on or, oh, everyone's doing influence marketing, so I better do that too. Everyone in the team is incredibly driven to make sure that we prove that influence marketing works, that the creative is the best that you've possibly seen. And from a kind of best moments, like sometimes it's just, I'll go into the office and someone will do something completely weird or hysterical. Like we were in a full agency meet the other day and out of nowhere, one of the guys in the team jumps and does the splits and he's like, I'm here. <laughs> and, and that energy is, it's infectious. In terms of like, probably my biggest high is probably one of my first big signings because I think, you know, I believe in what I do. I'm lucky that you know, most people around me really believe in what I do. And I have a lot of support and a lot of backing. But I think it's as soon as you kind of go into a room, you meet someone who doesn't know you for Adam, and you're explaining the purpose of what you do, why the agency exists, what you can do for their brand, how you can make that work. And people going, yeah, I trust you. Off you go. And then you're able to kind of scale the team. You'll start, you are able to kind of understand what people buy. And you also start working at a different scale. That means you can really start to analyze and review the data. And like from an archetypes perspective, like who performs best where and why. Um, and we're kind of quite a nerdy team from a data perspective. And yeah, I just, I love proving that influence marketing works. And one of my best briefs ever was from a retail brand here in the UK and they were like, influencer marketing just doesn't work. Thanks so much for your time. It's great to get a coffee. And I was like, honestly, give me the smallest budget possible and I will prove to you that you've just been doing it wrong. And with that campaign for every one pound they spent on influencers, they saw a 17 times return. 
And then we ended up unlocking them. We're about three and a half years into a contract with them. And every single year, that contract size grows because they're paying for themselves. Um, but again, it comes down to the data and the insights and making sure you're working with the right people versus like what I call badging exercise, influencer marketing, when it's kind of the teeth whitening or the booty like fitness products. And you're like, you're giving the whole industry a bad name. <laughs> for sure. We all know of those companies and, you know, there's a place for everyone, but it sounds like you're working with a different caliber of companies. So, you know, look, I think it's fantastic that you're seeing results and, you know, you're proving ROI. I love that you're data driven. That's something that's incredibly important to me and I preach it all the time. So keep preaching it yourself too. <laughs> you know, what do you think sort of like sets you guys apart? Like the question being like, you have your very first meeting with a new client. What are some of the most common suggestions that you make of where to start, how to strategize? Yeah, so I think the main thing is understanding your customer. So you're doing influencer marketing to engage that end consumer. You're not doing it because, you know, someone somewhere in the business has gone, influence marketing, everyone's talking about it, just do it. Because I think there's so many panicked, rushed campaigns and it very much is, oh, we'll just send you this product, please talk about it. And then the brand goes, oh, I'm really underwhelmed. Or you could tell that they rushed that. Or I didn't see any impact. And so for me, it's really starting with uh, the collaborative creativity, as I call it. So how do you make sure that every single piece of content that you see from your brand marries up to the same as if you were producing it in-house? Or you put the same amount of effort into the creative direction as you would a TV campaign? And I think there's this kind of nuance of influencers, like that's a really cheap way to just spend some money. And actually kind of really making sure that you brief the influencer correctly or ramping up production. Like we have a full in-house production team that is covered across multiple markets. So actually, if you want to do a celebrity shoot, you know, you, you can really get your value for money in the kind of output, the script writing, the editorial, the edits. And then your end customer, when they see that, they're not going, oh, of course, that brand just paid for that. They really kind of get, they believe in the experience. They understand the narrative. And I think, you know, excellent brands, the Nikes of this world, they're storytellers and influencers are brands in their own right. So let them be storytellers too. And I think if you can get the creative right and from a brand's perspective, using archetypes, if you use the right influencer that is aligned to your brand, then that's where the magic happens. And that's when you get to see the fun. And exactly to your point, it's about the data and you can do this. You can send out gifting packages all day long in the hope that someone might talk about your brand but they might get the wrong tag or they might post and you've got the back of the bottle, not the front of the bottle. Um, and so really making sure that you're thinking about influencers as their own businesses within their own right, that you're championing them, that you're giving them all of the tools to produce and create the best possible content. And that's when you can then kind of drive the experience from a customer's perspective. And some brands want as much content as possible because let's face it, running social media platforms is long, 24 seven graft. So you can use the kind of influencers as ambassadors for your brand that are kind of always on advocates chipping away at the content, or you can use them to increase the kind of reach and the understanding of your product and get that narrative across, or, you know, the direct sales, go and drive it, drive footfall into a Nike store, go and drive, you know, a hundred thousand sales of this perfume that we've just launched. So again, you've got to really understand what success looks like. And then you can go away and elevate what your influencer strategy looks like off the back of that. And that's really key. I actually so appreciate so many things that you said, but even just to touch on that last point, because a lot of companies don't even know what success could look like, right? Like maybe they've done it before and they've just seen 
not great results, but they might not even know what's possible. Um, and so just like having the experience and being the advocate for so many different brands over time gives you that foresight. Also, to your other point, you know, allows you to sort of remain a few steps ahead so that when you're, you know, creating those briefs, like you're including things that you've seen go wrong or you've seen 100%. go awry before. And sort of just like having that ability to just think a few steps ahead is going to like incredibly maximize the the impact that that one campaign can have. Are there certain brand categories that, you know, sort of have to do influencer marketing in a slightly different way? Are there any that sort of stand out to you? Anything that you've maybe experienced historically where you're like, you know, this has to be done in a very careful, specific or different way to see results? Mm -hmm. I think the most obvious one that comes to mind is Panasonic. So we actually do Panasonic in the US. We've done it in the UK for a very long time. And you know, the cost of an item, it's a luxury good to have a camera that's, you know, just shy of $10,000. It isn't something where you see an Instagram story or you see a viral TikTok and you just go, oh yeah, camera, I'll have five. And so our role is to really, again, make sure that the customer understands why they need that camera. And it's not about choosing an influencer who's, you know, a fashion influencer who create street style shots because again, they're probably going to go for an Olympus pen, right? And so for us, it's kind of working out first off, like who is the end customer? Who are they engaging with and what do they want to see? And one of the campaigns that we did, and we've done tons with different specs of the same camera, um, but we basically identified a load of filmmakers who had full-time jobs and filmmaking was their absolute passion. And it's something that, do you know, when you talk and you sit around a table on like a Friday night and you're like, you know, if you could just throw it at the wall. And I guess even now, like with the mass resignation and you're like, what do I want to be? Where do I, what do I actually want to be doing? And we identified these individuals who had the most amazing talent for videography, for film, for again, getting that story over there. So some of them were incredible scriptwriters. Some of them, the edits that they were doing were just the exact same stuff that you would see from, you know, huge brands in their content plans. So we have this network of videographers. They all got this piece of kit with multiple lenses based on their kind of expertise. And we basically gave them one, the kit, but also the skills and the expertise to understand the camera. So there's someone who predominantly shoots at night. We made sure that they understood all of the functionalities of night mode. But there's then someone who's kind of out and about, who's a complete kind of adventurer. And again, like making sure the stability feature on the camera, how do they get the most out of it? The content that they produced is unbelievable. And again, from an end consumer, you're like, whoa, you guys could do this. So actually, so can I. And they believe and they understand the camera. And it's not them talking through, this is the spec and this is how you use this. They're showcasing the difference of where their content was pre-working with Panasonic to during and post-working with Panasonic. And we have driven direct sales from YouTube, from Instagram, from TikTok, because we're engaging and we're exciting that end customer. But that end customer is also this huge advocate that's like, holy smoke, like this guy made this happen for him. This woman is now producing a film over here. This one's got their first music video working with like, you know, 
Netflix on various bits and pieces, they've all done so well for themselves after the campaign. So it's kind of the real step in like believing that this kit can kind of almost change your life. And I know that sounds really dramatic, but it's true. Like they believed in the dream and they understood the camera, they understood the kit. And we have then seen the sales as a direct impact to that too. And it honestly is some of the most beautiful content that I've ever, and I'm biased, but I've ever seen from any influencer marketing campaign possible. I mean, I love that so much because you're giving value first and foremost to your potentially largest advocate, right? And, you know, it's not just this transactional thing. It's like, I want to be as excited about this as you are. And I want to give you all of the goods to make what you're passionate about even more amazing. And so it's like, yeah, it's like this empowering piece, this educational piece, value-driven piece. I really appreciate that because just like giving yields so much in return. I mean, isn't that true with so many things? With life, yeah. Yeah, I love that so much. Let's talk about your approach about integrated influencer marketing. We've discussed that a little bit prior, and I think that it's really cool, your philosophies on that. Let's talk about like, I don't know, are there some like really great case studies where you're like, we have really approached it from that lens, pun intended, and we have really seen results. Where does that like, talk to us a little bit about that and even like where that philosophy comes from? Yeah. So I think when I set up the agency, which is like nearly six years ago now, influencer marketing very much was YouTube or a blog post or an Instagram post. And the industry evolves, the industry changes. You know, I always say with social media, what we knew yesterday is irrelevant tomorrow. The algorithms change, the platforms change, the audiences demand different things in different places. And from a brand's perspective, the worst thing that they can do is sit still. And I think with influencer marketing, people have got so used to, oh, I will send, you know, five gift packs or I will identify five influencers and I'll pay them to produce, you know, a YouTube ad um, and I'll also get an Instagram post. And for me, you're not working your influencer marketing hard enough. Influencers are influencers because they have managed to build up these huge audiences with, again, real life customers at the end of their TikTok, their YouTube videos who are understanding that brand better through seeing and understanding the brand through that content. So for me, when I talk about integrated, it's let's not just go, let's pay for a square on Instagram. It's really thinking what is, how many touch points can I cover that is still relevant and right for my business? So as an example, um, you guys actually like over here, everyone is like Lewis Capaldi diehard fan. And he's just there's so many people in the US, I've obviously just got back from a stint out there and they didn't know who Lewis Capaldi was. I don't know who that is. <gasps> oh my God. Okay. Your task is to go on YouTube, actually no Spotify, because he looks different to how he sounds and listen to Lewis Capaldi or change your life. <laughs> um, but he's a musician over here. He's got millions of followers across all of his social channels and you know, we created a music video for him for a brand and we're like, great, this amazing hero piece of content. We then basically uh, took that content, we sliced and diced it. We have used that video in paid content. So making sure that we can target the right audiences through that. We also then created content for him to use across different channels outside of YouTube. We created a ton of assets from that music video and that shoot day that could be used on the brand's channels. We then got so much press coverage. So it was like 27 million people reached in the first like four hours. 
Uh, from a PR perspective, we added in a charity element. So all the clothes that he was wearing in his uh, music video, we auctioned off and that money went to Mind Charity. We also then kind of got him kind of advocating the different charities. So it wasn't just here he is, his one YouTube video, which is where it could stop, could have stopped. We're thinking PR, we're thinking paid. In the, that time, we were very deep in the pandemic, but actually like thinking, does this work for experiential? Does this work? Is there a real life moment to this? Is it a virtual conference? Is it a Q&A? Is it I know, another Zoom experience? Um, but it's really, again, like I talk a lot about the consumer and bringing it back to the consumer, thinking about what they want and thinking about where they're showing up. And my like favorite nerdy stat is you have to see a piece of content 11.4 times from a brand on average before the customer converts. So again, making sure that you're appealing to them and visible in multiple different touch points is exactly what's going to con- kind of generate that trust, the additional awareness, and ultimately that conversion. I love that though. Like it feels very spot on without fact checking it myself. Like just even... I think it's so important sometimes like to take off your marketer hat and just put on your consumer hat. And so for me, yeah, that's, that sounds really reasonable. There are so many teams that I think aspire to do what you do, which is thinking in terms of how can we maximize this? Like, how can we really truly approach it from this like 360 degree lens, but they find it difficult. There are teams that are, I've heard this dozens of times. There are teams that just aren't talking to each other. They're very siloed. They're very separate. Maybe they just don't have like a PR arm to lean on or that expertise. So like even operationally, how do you guys accomplish that? The sun is shining, flowers are blooming, birds are singing, and everything seems fresh and new. It's the best time of the year. It's time for spring savings at your local Publix store. Pick up a spring savings coupon book from the Publix Information Center at the store's entrance or ask customer service for a copy. You can save over $90 on your favorite brands, including GSK, Energizer, Colgate, Palmolive, Kimberly Clark, and more. But hurry, the sale only lasts through April 15th. Happy spring savings from Publix. Yeah, it's much easier when exactly to your point, when you have teams of like integrated marketing or integrated brand teams that do communicate and that do talk. And there is a lot of red tape and almost like using the agency to have some of those difficult conversations for you, because internally and again, like I come from being in brand side, right? Like I'd have those arguments at ASOS where I'd be like, this is my team. And someone, the PR team would go, no, it's mine. The affiliates team would say, no, it's mine. Then you'd have the editorial team that are like, well, I want Taylor Swift in the magazine cover. And all of a sudden, you're, you've got people internally competing and your goal is the same. And that's sometimes when you just need to kind of smack some heads together and be like, no, 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 we're all laddering up to the exact same thing. And I do think that's the benefit of an agency. And like, again, I'm biased. I run an agency. We do a lot of integrated uh, marketing for brands. But being able to say like, yes, this can sit in influence marketing and it can work here. But actually, we add this bit in or we add this bit in or we add this bit in, look at what we can achieve and look at what we can do together. And I think as soon as you've got the kind of data to validate what you're doing, to show the impact that it would have if you're spending X versus Y, one department versus four departments, again, that's when you can kind of really be the champion and elevate. And I think, again, there's still, I think, uh, a bit of a gray area of where influencer marketing sits full stop. 
And we've worked with so many agency, uh, so many brands, sorry, where the team member is like, oh, I sit in social this week. Oh, no, no, I sit in PR. I'm standalone. And we've got to be able to go with the flow with that too, as an agency supporting the brand and helping the brand to kind of deliver the most results out of that as well. So yeah, that would be my very long winded answer to that one. (laughs) Yeah. Can I even add on to that? Like, I wonder if I'm just like getting, you know, you're talking about the mass resignation earlier and I've experienced that firsthand that so many members of WIM are looking for new roles, looking to hire for sure. And, you know, in terms of hiring historically, people I've noticed have wanted those with like very targeted backgrounds. They're like, I want somebody who has a ton of experience in this one area. I want them to be an expert in that. And that's who I want to hire. But now I'm finding that people are also looking for influencer marketers who have a bit more in their wheelhouse that they've done a little bit of PR, a little bit of paid, a little bit of this, like, you know, execution strategy and It's a very different philosophy. I know that when I was, you know, being mentored, I was told you have way too many interests, you just need to focus. But I actually do see it as a benefit for a variety of reasons. But if I could identify like the top reason, I think it's just because you have all of that perspective. And like, Mm -hmm. it sounds like you can even speak personally to that you've worked brand side for the longest time. Now you're running an agency, but I'm sure you can really feel and empathize with all of those brands that you work with in a way that maybe people who have been exclusively agency side for their whole careers can't. So what are your thoughts on that, even in terms of hiring people and um, building teams in terms of their past experiences and what you sort of ideally want them to bring? So yeah, I actually have had the opposite kind of career advice to you. And it was from a guy called Moose Tarek. He now lives in LA and he is brilliant at kind of just being really open with people. And I guess sometimes people are probably like, whoa, I didn't need to hear that. Whereas I'm always really receptive to like people's view, people's opinion. And so my title, my first title in social was social media producer. Then when I was at ASOS, I was social media executive and I worked myself out up to like senior manager level. And, but I always had social in my title and I was really kind of umming and ahhing what to do next when I was coming to set up the agency. And he was like, well, you're kind of becoming a bit of a one trick pony. You've got all this amazing experience in social, but why are you not looking at the evolution of social and what else is in social or, you know, the different pillars that come off that. And I was always kind of doing influencer marketing, but calling it social media, because that's what my title was at ASOS. And It was the best thing that he ever said to me. It was like, you're going to be a one trip pony, get social media out of your title immediately. And I think you're totally right in the sense of, you know, even when you think about the experience as working in influencers or people graduating uni, they don't have heaps of experience in influence marketing. And that's okay because actually they could have been doing, you know, PR internship in that whilst they've been at college or they could have been for a family friend doing a little bit over here in terms of like editorial Or they could have been working in finance and actually writing those contracts, getting the kind of negotiations with influencers down is so hugely important. So for me, it really is thinking about the full package, the whole benefit of that individual, and then enabling them to kind of grow and accelerate within the influencer space and kind of taking quite a step back. Uh, If I could do my time again, I'd have taken so much more time and care when it came to maths at school, because 
when people say maths is involved in your every single day, like it really is. We are number crunching. I'm doing it from a P&L, making sure that the business is making money, making sure that I'm driving revenue to every single head in the business across two different markets, making sure that I'm negotiating office space, looking at the influencer data, you know, looking at the budgets that I need for next year and kind of, yeah, someone who's got that numerical mind is just an absolute godsend from my side of things, which I'm sure when people are thinking about getting into influence marketing, they don't really think about. And so it could be, it could be that perfect marriage of, you know, I have this background of, I don't know, math, let's say, as in your example, but I have a passion for influencer marketing. And some people are like, oh, I'm so regretful that I have this degree. I just had this conversation with someone not that long ago. Um, They're like, oh, I have a degree in whatever it is that seemingly is unrelated to influencer marketing, but I have a passion for it. How do I get into it? It really, truly is exactly what you're saying. There is such a, a need for people who aren't the obvious fits for influencer marketer. Like there, we have a lot of creative people. <laughs> we have yeah. a lot of, you know, X, Y, Z, fill in the blank, the more obvious fits. And there are, there's a need for those who maybe think a little bit more analytically, all those things. I have a BFA in theater. I have- But you can pitch and you can sell the dream and you can bring to life that story and that narrative. There's a role there for it. There is. And I, I will speak very honestly, though, for a long time, I didn't see it either. I was like, Oh, I wasted all this money. I'm still paying off student loans. Like, what is the correlation? But you know, maybe it does take a little bit more seasoning and more just experience of seeing that in your career to be like, actually, entirely see the through line. And so I hope that there's a lot more people out there who have this, this hang up. And I hope that they just like, they really hear what you're saying, because I've experienced it, I believe it too. And I'm glad you have as well, that there's totally a place for them. I think it's just a matter of like, it's just getting your foot in the door first and foremost, that passion goes the longest way. So if you were really, yeah, if you were just really genuinely passionate about the work and enthusiastic about the company, and you have something unique to bring to the table, like that set up for the most success, right? Don't you think so? Completely, completely agree. You can't, yeah, you can't put a price tag on passion and enthusiasm for a space. And if you're passionate, you're excited, you've kind of learned and spent that time kind of discovering yourself, you can teach the rest of it. I agree with you so, so much. I would love to ask you like, What's been some of the most rewarding parts of your career? We've heard that you've come from the brand side. You've built a company. You've got investment. You're now like expanding to another country. I mean, there are a lot of highlights along the way. But like, what would you say have been some of the most rewarding parts just for you personally? Yeah, the most rewarding part. I mean, again, probably the fact that someone believed in me enough to invest. (laughs) I had investment from day dot. So I think that was quite, it's quite interesting. And at the time, it didn't really occur to me how nuts it was that someone was like, yeah, go for it. I believe in you. Here you go. You know, what's really exciting, actually, we've done masterclasses historically about VC investing with women specifically with like a female slant. And the last couple of years, It was like at 2% and in 2020, it actually went even further down, which is crazy. I actually saw recently, I think it was in Forbes, I'll fact check that where it was from. (laughs) I'll link it actually in the description of this podcast. But the, the numbers are actually that it's like 
doubled or even quadrupled in 2021. And just like the amount of companies that are investing in women specifically. So like, thank goodness for that. But like, talk to us a little bit about that experience. I mean, what it did for you and your confidence, what it did for you in terms of like setting you up for success. Like what was that experience like? Yeah, so I'm quite lucky in the model um, that my investor has. So he actually has six agencies and they basically come and give you the centralized services, which is finance, HR. You don't pay for an office for the first 12 months, like things that would just be so huge in terms of outgoings. And so the stuff where I guess the summary there is that they enable and allow me to do what I'm really good at, which is to continue to evolve the influencer space working really closely with brands to make sure that they're doing it properly and to sell influencer marketing in. And then the kind of behind the scenes stuff kind of continues to operate and to run. And then you kind of go through all these various different like Tetris levels as the agency grows. And so we're um, 55 people in the UK at the moment. Uh, We're about six or seven. I've got a few offers out at the moment in the US, but we need to get to about 70 in the UK and 20 in the US next year. So Again, it's kind of going through those different hurdles, going through those different growing pains. And I also think that kind of ties back to your last question of what I find rewarding is I just do not stop learning. And the agency that, again, like the agency that I knew 12 months ago is totally different to the agency that I know now. And I have to grow up a lot or, you know, my P&Ls look completely, completely different or you know, the briefs that we're getting, the work that we're executing. So we kind of, we lead with influencer, we do influencer, we do celebrity, we do a lot of strategy, a lot of campaigns, but then we also have a paid media team. We have a production team. We've got a podcast recording studio. So we can do all of the different nuts and bolts that those brands need us to do. And I think, again, that's where I find the role rewarding in terms of like constantly thinking what's next and having that backing and that trust from an investor that went, no, you can do this. And, you know, I'm not sure for the first six months that I believe myself, it was just like, you just do what you get told, you throw yourself into the mix, you see what happens. And I remember one day, like really early on, like two, three weeks in, I remember one of the other MDs saying to me, if you're not doing a lot today, go and get your nails done. And I was like, classic, like women to women comment, oh, you just need to go and get your nails done. And she was like, no. I am telling you that this will pick up speed rate that you are just not mentally prepared for, but you will learn it. So when you get five minutes or 40 minutes, take it, go away from your desk, get some headspace. And I often think about that now. Like, again, I think when you're a business owner, when you've got clients, sometimes I'll sit there and I'm like, oh, there's nothing I need to do right now that is so urgent. So I'm like, right, I will take 20 minutes walk and I will get that headspace or I will, you know, tonight I said to my other half, I was like, I'm going to make dinner tonight. And he was like, don't be ridiculous. You're so busy. And I was like, I haven't, I realized I haven't made a dinner in the house for like four months because I just, I mean, I also got married, which also didn't help, but I just haven't had five seconds to go to the bathroom, let alone to like make dinner and to think. And I think it is reminding yourself that it's okay to kind of take a step out or it's okay to go and get your nails done or whatever it is that kind of gives you a bit of headspace. And I think that's also one of the biggest learnings that I've kind of had I'm a workaholic. I love it. I'll work all day, every day if I could. But you have to kind of put yourself first too. Mm, That's so good. I mean, yes, when especially when you are a workaholic, but even more so when you just genuinely love the work, like it fills something in you, you know? And so like it can feel 
it's this never ending thing, but it, you don't necessarily want it to end because you enjoy it and you love it. And you lean into it and it like it really fills you up. But those other things, like just the other things in your life, like it was worth taking a step back and like figuring out also like what are your other priorities? How do they inform your work? How do they make you better as a human? How, you know, all those things, they are very important. And, you know, even just like taking a step to even say like, what are those things to me? You know, I don't know that necessarily getting your nails done is, you know, that important to you perhaps, (laughs) but you know, yeah, exactly. So it's like maybe identifying like what those things are to you. And those things are incredibly important, even Mm -hmm. just getting fresh air, just clearing your mind. I mean, talk about also we're in a very creative industry. And when you are able to clear your mind or just have like a reset, it really does open up that part of your brain (laughs) so much more. It gives you those ideas. It's insane, isn't it? Yeah. I really found that the first time as well, like being in a pandemic, being in full lockdown, And obviously you just work more and more and more because fantastic, you don't have to commute. Oh, you don't have to be sociable in the office. Oh, there's no client entertaining in the evening. I don't have to see any friends at weekends. And as things kind of started to open up again, I actually struggled the other way of like, oh God, how do I fit everything into this day? And how do I make everything work and kind of keep everyone happy? And I did have to do a bit of a factory reset of what makes me happy? What gets me motivated? And then as soon as I stepped onto a plane for the first time and I wasn't like there carrying like super glue to my laptop, that's when I have like the best ideas for the agency as a brand. Um, and I drive my other half mad because I'd be like, hold on, I need to email myself an idea. Hold on, I need to email myself this. And just, yeah, that fresh perspective having a bit of sunshine or being able to kind of just listen to a podcast without feeling guilty just yeah really enabled kind of that exactly that like the creative juices as cheesy as that sounds to flow and to think of new things and the kind of the next stage which has been really fun yeah that's like where the inspiration comes from so it just like it really informs the other it's all so related i would love to ask you just about our industry broadly what are some maybe predictions influencer marketing predictions that you can make for 2022 Okay. My first one is I think audio and influencer marketing will go closer and closer in hand. So whether that is brands working with influencers to promote a specific like TikTok audio, whether that is, uh, you know, even on like an Instagram reels on a YouTube partnering with more creators who are musicians or artists, or I think there'll be more content consumed with sound. And then more of an opportunity for producers, musicians, artists to create that audio for those brands. I think that's going to be really key. You know, jingles, fun, adverts. Uh, So I think that's going to be a huge space. And that kind of comes down to the kind of rise of TikTok too. And also the way in which TikTok is a bit like what YouTube was to, you know, Justin Bieber. TikTok is now to artists like Kat Burns, like people who are getting signed through TikTok. And I think being able to use a social platform for your skill set and being selected by, you know, uh, different producers or different artists for that, I think is going to be huge. I also think, you know, we've all talked about the metaverse. And I think from a gaming perspective, from a like virtual reality, I think brands and influencers are going to really start to play more within that space. 
We're doing so many briefs around NFTs and influencers at the moment. There is obviously a bit of a debate around the economical impact that that has, but also from an eco perspective, but equally like people are showing up in this space, right? And people want to be the first brand to really nail it, uh, to use influencers that are experts in that space. So lots with NFT, lots with audio, lots with gaming. Uh, I think Twitch will be quite a key platform next year. And I think there's a few brands that have kind of dipped their toe in that are outside of the normal gaming realms. And I think next year in particular, Twitch will really be showing up. And whether you're a beauty influencer, fashion influencer, you know, retired footballer, Twitch has got a space for you. And I think we'll, that next year will really be the year that Twitch lands. Mm, those are such good predictions. <laughs> I love that. And I guess like maybe related to that, what do you think that our industry could be doing better in 2022? Uh, so I still think that influencer marketing can be a bit of a trip to Disneyland. And I'd really like there to be a consistency and effort to create better guidelines around fair pay. And I think, you know, that's not something new. That's something I speak about a lot. But and we do a lot where an influencer will come to us with their costs. And I'm like, oh, babe. No, 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 no. You can charge so much more. And sometimes the different team will like jump on a call and go, right, just so you understand your worth, this is the cost. This is what you can charge. Usage rights, paid media, all of that stuff is kind of in addition to. And so there's definitely an education piece there. I also think, you know, we kind of touched on it at the start. Influencer marketing gets quite a bad rapport and gets quite a lot of negative association, you know, narcissism is a word that gets used a lot whenever you read various different third party media outlets when it associates it to influence marketing. And I think brands have a job to do it properly and to not treat it like a badging exercise. And if you can do that and you can do that well, I think the influencer stops becoming a dirty word and people understand that their customer is being influenced positively that is driving an impact for the business. They're getting a positive message out. They're getting an important message out. And I think that's going to be super, super important too. It is really important. And I hope those predictions come true. I think they're sound pretty spot on based on what I'm seeing as well. I'm really intrigued. And yeah, I hope that everyone sort of comes together to address some of those issues. There, A lot of them are not new. Those are not new, but they're still exactly. very much things that could be doing, that we could all be doing better. Um, and it's our responsibility to do so. I think it's a very unique industry where, you know, because of the amount of people that were impacting, use that word, you know, it's not just influencing, just simply impacting so many people. We do actually really, truly have a responsibility in the work that we're doing um, because of how influential all of this is. It's very unique uh, of an industry in that way. Um, so I do hope that people are aligned in just like even just thinking broadly, how can we be doing better? I have a feeling that a lot of people in our community are going to want to get in touch with you. So what's the best way for our audience to get in touch? Yeah, so I'm at Sedge Beswick on everything. Um, so LinkedIn, Instagram. My email is sedg at sceneconnects.com. So just everything's nice and consistent. <laughs> Fantastic. We're going to link all of that in the show notes. Also, I know you're hiring. I know you're looking to connect with lots we of are. people. Yes. So Everyone in the US who wants to influence marketing, please email your, me your CV. <laughs> that's huge, guys. She gave you her email address. She's actively hiring and um, great people, great team, great work. So 
I have a feeling a lot of people are going to be wanting to reach out for that reason or simply just to connect. So I am so appreciative of you coming on the show today. And thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, we got to have you back. Check out our website for more ways to get involved, including all the information you need about joining our collective. You can check out all the information at IamWim.com. That's IamWim, double I, dot com. And if you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review, a rating. But the most important thing that we can ask you to do is to share this podcast. See you next week. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week. Tune in next week. Gearheads know that some projects need so many parts, it feels like you need a whole storage unit just to store them. That's what eBay Motors' 122 million parts are for. Think of it as your virtual parts garage. They've always got the right fitment at the right prices. Use the eBay Motors app or visit ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. There aren't many faces people are excited to see first thing in the morning before they've even had their coffee. But the McDonald's drive through workers who take your order on the way to work have almost all of those faces. Because nothing brings more joy in the morning than a 99 cents any size iced coffee. Pair it with a glazed full apart donut for a truly great morning. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Only available until 11 a.m. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.